Bob, on its face, adding the seat seems to be against the will of North Carolina's voters, but it is allowed by the North Carolina Constitution. So where does that leave any challenges? Well, I don't think it leaves the challenges with any room for success because the state constitution authorizes the General Assembly to expand the court uh, up to uh, two additional members from the current seven members that we have. So I can't conceive of what kind of legal theory Reverend Barber uh, might come up with that would uh, effectively challenge the move if, in fact, it takes place. Bob, uh, can you just tell us a little bit about the North Carolina Supreme Court? June mentioned that it's going to be uh, four Democrats, three Republicans. There was a big election, I know, in November where the Democrat won. Uh, how big of a difference uh, will that election make? Is this a, a, a court that's divided along partisan lines? Well, it's interesting. Uh, most of the opinions issued by the court do not fall along partisan lines, and, and many are unanimous. It, it's Uh, very much an apolitical court in that context. Uh, The problem, and where I really think the focus has to be, is on redistricting litigation. And probably for the last 15 years in North Carolina, uh, redistricting plans have been litigated into the state court system and and up to the state Supreme Court. And, And frankly, I think the outside money we've seen in Supreme Court races uh, has been driven almost exclusively by partisan considerations around redistricting plans and whether they comply with uh, the law and the Constitution. And so uh, I, I don't think the change makes much difference in the greater scheme of the court's responsibilities, but redistricting is the hot-button issue. Bob, this would have to be done in an emergency session, or it's being suggested that it would be done in an emergency special session to address Hurricane Matthew and then put this in because of the situation that's happening with the governorship. So explain that. Well, the and that brings up a whole interesting set of additional issues. Uh, we had... Uh, a governor's race uh, this year in which the incumbent Republican governor, Pat McCrory, uh, ended election night trailing by right around 5,000 votes uh, to the Democrat challenger, Attorney General Roy Cooper. And there have been a number of what I would call conventional uh, challenges to, in a number of counties, uh, contesting uh, the validity of of a variety of of votes or voters. And so it's not clear where that result is going to finally uh, end up. But, of course, if the the Democrat prevails, then Governor McCrory's term would end December 31st. And so any appointments of Republican judges, which would obviously be the intent of the legislature, uh, would would need to come uh, very quickly. And since they're not scheduled for their regular session until January of 2017, there would have to be an, an emergency session, which has been talked about, as you mentioned, in the context of, of uh, the hurricane damages the state sustained. 
So how, if this plan were to go through or this this uh, uh, speculated about plan goes through, how would the new justices be selected and would the outcome of it all depend at all on, on who w- eventually wins the governor's race? Well, one can anticipate that if Governor McCrory is in office and and the two vacancies are created uh, by the legislature, he would make the appointment pursuant to the state constitution, and one would assume he would appoint uh, Republican-leaning individuals to those two slots. If, for some reason, it fell over into uh, a a term of office held by uh, Mr. Cooper, uh, if if he is success uh, in the campaign is, is... sustained, well, then the the Republican-controlled legislature wouldn't add two more seats so uh, because they're not going to give him the appointments uh, to make. And the Constitution says whenever there's a vacancy, the governor uh, shall appoint to fill the vacancy. Bob, this has been a very unusual election year, to put it mildly. Is this amount of discord unusual in North Carolina politics? Well, <laughs> you know, probably over the last 20 or 30 years, as, as North Carolina has truly become a, a battleground state at the national level, and you've seen the rise of the two-party system in the state, yeah, we've had more and more contentious uh, elections. But, uh, and, I, and I alluded to this particular um interesting constitutional issue, which isn't the subject of of the call, but I want to at least mention it. There's a provision in the North Carolina Constitution that literally has been there since 1835, and it says, in a contested Article Three election, which the governor's uh, office is, uh, if it is a contested election, whatever that means, then the decision will be made by the General Assembly uh, in joint session. So, and this has actually been been done once before back in 2000 in the uh, superintendent of public instructions race, uh, and the then Democrat-controlled legislature uh, quote elected the Democrat nominee uh, for superintendent of public instruction, which is an Article Three office. So. So, you know, while we have this issue of will the legislature move forward on court backing, uh, we also have hanging out there this this very unique and rarely used constitutional provision that might throw the governor's race into the General Assembly for decision. 